0: Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenogio. Matthew chapter 18, I want to read from verse 23. You know what, let's start reading from verse 21. It's the parable that the Bible calls a parable of the unmerciful servant. The parable of the unmerciful servant then came... Peter to him, that's to the Lord Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. And the Lord Jesus said to him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. And we all agree that if somebody sin against you a day, 17 times seven, there's, there's, there's a problem. There's, there's a problem verse 23 therefore which is where we are going therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which will take account of his servant so this is a story of a king and his servants and when he had begun to reckon so, so he was going through one servant after, servant after another servant after another servant after another servant but the focus rests upon this one servant there's something about this one servant that marked him out. But it was a negative thing. Is somebody listening to me? We didn't know about any other servant that the, the master, that the king reckoned with. But this one was picked out. One was brought to him who hold him 10,000 talents. This one hold him a lot. Okay, but for as, much as he had not, for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold his wife and children and all that he had and the payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and what? And loosed him and what? And forgave him the debt. I mean, just wrote everything off. But the same servant, emphasis. But this same servant, this one, who had just been forgiven of an humongous debt that he cannot pay. This same servant went out and found, please, understand He didn't just meet this guy by accident. The Bible said he what? He went out and looked for this guy. So this was a premeditated attack. The Bible says he went out and he found one of his fellow servants who hold him an hundred pence. It's interesting that I found out that there was a lot of similarity between what transpired between this servant and the king. And this servant and his fellow servant. Number one. There was something old. Is someone listening to me? The only thing is that what was holding was a peanut. I mean, frankly, I I I don't understand how somebody owed him anything. Verse twenty-eight. But this same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence. The Bible says he laid hand on him and took him by the throat, saying, "Pay me what thou." Oh wait, and the fellow servant fell down at his feet. Besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you. Now, now please, please do something for me. Verse 30, oh no, verse 29. His fellow servant what? Fell down. Now, verse 20, 29, compare it with verse 26. And you will see that from falling down to pay thee all, it was exactly the same thing word for word the word he used to beg from the king that was exactly the word that his fellow servant used to beg him but the bible says and he will what he will not and you know the story obviously things like this have a way of getting around people get to hear about it and they reported him to the king and the king called him verse 34 and his lord was very angry it was wrath. but let's go back Verse 20, 32. And then his Lord, after he has called him, said unto him, O thou what, wicked servant, I forgive you all that debt, because thou desireth me. Should not thou have compassion on your fellow servant, even as I have pity on you? And his Lord was angry and threw him into prison. I want to, I want to talk about the topic, Grace is Amazing. That grace is amazing. If I ask us, if I ask any one of us to tell me what is grace, you will sat through two teaching already. If I ask you what is grace, it's most likely that you will give me one of the two classical definitions of grace. You will either tell me that grace is God's unmerited favor, and rightly so. Or you may tell me that grace is God's riches at who? At Christ's expense. And that is so. But I just want to bring in a word of caution. Those two definitions are absolutely fantastic definitions. Indeed, grace is God's unmerited favor. And indeed, grace is God's riches at the expense of Christ. But there is a problem. One of the things I found out is that When we have a one sentence A two sentence definition Of a doctrine from the Bible If we are not careful It can be an excuse for us not to dig in deeper It can be an excuse for us To just think that Because we have this simple definition As it were We've, we've, we've known everything One other definition that always fall into this Is when we talk about what's the fear of God Okay, There's also a classical Definition, the fear of God is a reverential awe. Grace is God's unmerited favor. But the thing is this, what exactly does that mean? What does it mean that grace is God's unmerited favor? How does that impact me? It's not that those definitions are not right. It's just that oftentimes we don't go deeper. When you go deeper into grace, you will begin to realize that grace is absolutely amazing. This grace of God, what is it? Yes, grace is God's unmerited favor. Yes, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. But what does that mean? Listen to me. You can write the word grace on every page of the Bible. Even in the Old Testament, everything that God has ever done, everything that God has ever said, everything everything that God has ever done is always be by grace. Even in the Old Testament. Even under the law. Do you know? The Bible says that God did not pick up the children of Israel. Because they were the biggest. And by the way anyway. The law did not start unto Moses. What about Abraham? The Bible says. And Noah found grace. So what was the big deal about Abraham? It was grace. There was, there was a reason why God brought in the law. But I'm not talking about the law today. What I'm saying is this. God has always. And will always. Deal with man by grace. It has always been by grace. What I'm saying so far is this. And I don't want you to go out of this place. To say, Pastor Fenoglio you said grace is not God's name. It is. In fact, you know what? In fact, let me even bring it a little bit closer home. Faith. Faith is the substance of things. All oh, for. The evidence of things not seen. So if I ask you to define faith, you will define that. But do you know that faith is more than that? Even when the, even when the definition comes from the Bible, because that definition was in context. It was saying something. There was something that led to that place. It was defining faith in that context. So that is that is even a definition we take directly out of the Bible. I'll give you another example. If I ask you what are the... We we'll talk about the fivefold ministry. Obviously, you know in this church that the ministry is much more than fivefold. But there was a contest in which... Paul was writing in Ephesians. And he mentioned, then we call them the fivefold, the primary. Because when you go to Corinthians, he mentioned more than five. So even when you take the definition from the scripture, always, always think about the context. When we understand the grace of God, you will understand how amazing it is. You will understand how privileged and how blessed we are. Grace is an encompassing world. It's not just one thing, it's an encompassing word. And 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 actually this is what I'm going to be doing in the first or second service. Is is really going over the ground again. I want to go back. I want to go back. Now, the first thing I want you to know is that the word grace was not actually a Christian word. Christianity didn't come up with the word grace. There was already, before Christianity came, you remember what I said, there was grace in the Old Testament. Grace was a common word used in, 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 in Hebrew and in Greek. In fact, it was a common greeting, grace be to you. Grace to you and peace. Just like we say good morning. Or you say, you know, oftentimes the the Hebrew will say shalom. The Greek will say grace to you. Grace to you. It was a common greeting. So the word grace was not a new word. It was a common word. But what happened is that when Christianity came, it infuses it with a new meaning. And there was something that happened to this word. Christianity adopted that word. And infuse it with such a reality. I'm going to talk to you about what I call the cycle of grace. Now, in the Greek, in the normal use of this word. okay. And, and by the way, there are a couple of words that are used for grace. But the most common one is, is charis or charis. It depends on the way you, you, you want to talk about it. The basic meaning is something that, it, that is intrinsically beautiful and attractive. So the basic meaning of grace is something that within itself, within itself, within itself, whatever you are talking about grace, it is something that is intrinsically beautiful, attractive, powerful. There is something that is settled about this thing, but it doesn't stop there. But also that this thing that is intrinsically graceful, Intrinsically beautiful, intrinsically satisfying—that it can also cause a feeling of joy and satisfaction in what, in other people. We are talking about grace. Let's talk about the grace upon the life of uh, our instrumentalists. There's an intrinsic beauty. We call it talent. He has it. He sits down there, and he plays it. They sing it. It is intrinsic. But not only that, they can. It can when they begin to manifest that beauty it also causes what beauty and joy in other people this is where i'm going so so at the beginning listen listen to me very well at the beginning grace is intrinsic so at the beginning grace especially we're talking about the grace of the lord jesus christ which is where i'm going now at the beginning grace is a person before you can receive grace is because that grace is intrinsic in who In somebody. So basically. Primarily. The grace is first of all a person. A person that can also impact that grace to you. Oftentimes when we define grace, and this is why I was talking about those definitions, good as they are. The grace, you need to understand the grace is not just the thing that God gives us. The The grace is inside of God himself. That is why it is called the grace of God. So grace, when you want to talk about grace, first of all, look at Jesus. Oh, how beautiful is he? How satisfying is he? You see, this is why you cannot understand how amazing grace is until you understand how amazing Jesus is. Oh, hallelujah, Lord! How amazing is He? Is someone listening? To you? Look, I can I can give you all the formula of grace from now till kingdom come until you understand the beauty of Jesus, until you understand the glory of Jesus, until you understand the power of Jesus. Until you understand Jesus. Oh, those people came, the Greek, he said, we will see Jesus. Is there an hunger in you to see him? So that's the first thing, that's the basic thing. That is where it all starts from, is intrinsically in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like that king. The king was gracious to the servant because the king is gracious. This this wicked servant was not gracious because he is not gracious. There is something about him that is wicked, that is evil. Listen, the reason why the king forgave him was not primarily because he was begging. That's my point. Now, the begging helps. The reason why he was forgiven is because there is something about the king that is gracious. And he laid a demand... Is somebody listening to me, he laid a demand on the grace. I mean, if the man was wicked, probably we wouldn't beg. It's because he, he knew the king. I mean, he's his servant. There are some people that they are, it's so easy for you to go to them because they are open. They are approachable. What's, what's the Lord Jesus full of? He's full of grace. Is full of mercy. Is full of joy. Is full of forgiveness. Have you seen him? He's full of love. Have you seen him? Number two, because the Lord is full of grace, because he's so full of grace, like this king. Remember, we've talked about the basic meaning. We are talking about grace. Because he's so full of grace, he wants to do what? He wants to give it. In fact, he has given it. The Bible says that grace and truth came through who? The Lord Jesus. The Bible always called grace the grace of who? Of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the most common one of the most, because I've not counted them, so don't let me say it's the most, but one of the most common prayer in the Bible, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, is his grace. So number one, he has it. Now, these are all the process that is involved when we want to define grace. And all those things, are, they are in those two classic definitions, but oftentimes we don't tease them out. Number one, we have to start with him. The Bible said, by him all things were created. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. The Bible said, nothing was created but by him. In him is life. And that life is the fullness. That life is the, that is the life of men. And that was how John chapter 1 opened. Before he came to that, he, he, from his grace. The Bible, the Bible said, from his fullness have we received what? Grace. Upon grace, from his fullness, is full of grace. Hallelujah. Is full of grace. You know, some people are so full of hatred. When you love them, it is hate. I'm serious. Some people are so suspicious. When you are trying to help them, they say, what do you want? Now, you need to understand that he's so full of grace that he actually gives a lot of that grace even to unbelievers. There is something we call common grace. When you read the book of Matthew, I'm just, you can check it out. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 to 45, it says that he makes his sun to shine both on the just and the unjust. He makes his rain. You know, all these people that say there's no God. It is God that actually keeps them alive. He just need to do that. And they are gone. He keeps everybody alive, he makes the sun to shine. You see, we take this thing for granted. Even the grace of God, the unbeliever enjoying it because God is so full of grace. So there's something we call common grace. This common grace does not save people. It's not a saving grace. The only reason anybody get out of bed today is because of the grace of God. It's because of the grace of God. And then we have what we call special grace. That is where we are talking about the saving grace. The redemptive grace. The glorious grace. Is someone listening to me? But quickly, I want to move on to the third stage. Because this is very, very important. Remember the first one is, we are talking about grace. We are talking about the cycle of grace that it originates with God. It's because we are not talking about the grace of of an athlete. We are not talking about the grace that fades. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know the Bible says that throughout eternity. Ah, is someone listening to me? Throughout eternity. We will still be understanding this grace. Ah, if's somebody listening to me. Ah, say,, ah. See, see how gracious God is. See, see the grace of God throughout, not just now, throughout eternity. Now we, we have to go to the thoughts, because this is where we're coming. Thought point: When I receive grace, remember, this is the problem of the wicked servant. Remember, God has the grace. Is so full of the grace, it just popped out. Common grace. But then this grace came out specifically to the elect, specifically to you. Uh-huh. Now, when we receive this grace, uh-huh, that grace touched our heart. <laughs> when you receive the grace of God, I'm talking about special grace now. When you receive that grace and it touches you in its amazing power. That grace is to will transform you. Remember, I'm not talking about common grace. Huh? This grace, there's something about this grace. It is hot, it is powerful. This grace is beautiful. When you receive that grace, you become beautiful. When you receive that grace, you become joyful. So, in a measure I mean obviously not in the same measure that is in God that is why we are called the sons and the daughter of God when the grace of God comes into your life and it comes in in all sorts of ways the Holy Spirit, the word of God and all those things the Bible says Christ in you the hope of glory it is the grace of God in you God is not on the outside trying to encourage you he jumped inside of you somebody listening to me Christ in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. It is no more I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Woo! It's not by power. It's not by might, but by my spirit, said the Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Every day I must learn how to submit, how to allow him, John said, I must decrease and he must increase. You see, the, the problem oftentimes is that we are trying to do it by ourselves. That's the law. By the work of the law, no man can please God. I've told you, I've told you this oftentimes. When I come here, I know some people come and say, Yeah, hey, I preach out of my weakness. I don't preach out of my strength. Look, I realize that when I say out of my weakness, I pro- I mean, in fact, I have I have I don't know. Nine pages there. But the thing is, when I come here, I don't say, God, I have a note here. I I, I say, God, I need you. And I, and, and I really mean that. Because you know what? And so what? So you sat down here for 45 minutes and I'm speaking to you. That's not the big deal. The issue is what God does in your heart. And I can not do that. Only God can do that. You understand what I'm saying? I can I can blow Greek and blow Hebrew. And even if I won't blow, blow a and whatever, it is what God does. <laughs> Hallelujah! It is it is the grace of God. Now, now we need to move on. So when you receive that grace, it touches your heart, and that grace transforms you, and that grace makes you beautiful. That more, that grace makes you joyful, and then you don't know what you know. You then do you know what then happened? Two things happen things when the grace of God touches you then you become gracious to other people be you holy because I your God I'm holy be you merciful because I your God and that is you become merciful you become gracious you become and and people look at you and say something is different about her something is different about him and you you, you begin and that was what listen to me the reason God gave you the grace is so that you can live by grace and that's the problem with this with this wicked servant. The the master said, listen, I did all that to you, but it has made no difference. And the, the, that, that is what the Bible talks about when people waste the grace. The grace has not made any difference in his life. But there's another thing that happens when this grace touches you. It actually cause you to be what? To be thankful. Do you know? Do you know? That one of the definition of grace is thanks. One and this is this is this is why it's a cycle. Remember, the grace starts from God, it impacts you, you give some to others, and you return the rest to who? To God. In thanks. In thanks. The Bible says that whosoever offer praise, glorify God. Huh? You're giving the grace back to God. And that is why when we want to pray over, for what do we say? Let us say grace. Let's say grace. So that's one definition of grace, actually. Because that is how grace comes out of us. It comes out of us in thanksgiving. In thanksgiving. I've given you the cycle. Actually, if you go through the scripture, you will see that grace was used in 12. Now, somebody counted this. It's not me. Yeah, I just read the book. So somebody counted these and found out that the word grace was used in 12 different ways in the Bible. And actually, I've already talked about the first three in that cycle. Grace gives us access to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read the next one together. So that we can become everything God wants us to be. This is the purpose of grace. And the the, the scripture is there for us. The reason God gave us grace is not so that we can go and live like the devil. You see, it's it's because we don't understand grace. That's what they say. Well, we have grace now so we can go and live like the devil. No, no. If you live like the devil, you don't have grace. If you have grace, you will live like God. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.